When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Lajos and Ken Lavin. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Good, good. I regret the arrival of true summer weather. Yeah, it's pretty crappy out. The humidity is pretty bad. It's been delightful up here in Boston. <laughs> what is it, like 75, 80? Uh no, it's hot. It's just uh not like a like a super humid hot. Mm-hmm. Alright, well obviously it's hot because it's July now and this is fourth of July weekend, so hooray, I guess. And when yeah, you Yeah, America. Great. Yeah. Fourth of July, you got parades, you got fireworks and barbecues. So what barbecue foods are we gonna promote, extend, or trade? You have Hot dogs, burgers, ribs, chicken, sausage, so many things. So no set options here. Promote, extend, trade, whatever you guys, whatever barbecue foods you want to. Hmm. Extend brisket. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Christina would have a much better opinion on this. Um, uh, maybe promote pulled pork. Uh, what am I trading? I'll let Ken finish here. Before Tr- I... Coleslaw. Coleslaw. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't, for, think, I pulling... didn't even didn't even think of going to the side dishes, but if we go what? sides, this list gets uh 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 complicated. I can choose a meat. <laughs> I can choose uh you know an entree. Mm-hmm. Anything? What don't I like generally? No, it's so hard. I just like all of the meats. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then coleslaw it is. Goodbye. Okay. Coleslaw is great. I, this, this is uh It's just yeah. not a taste I've ever really enjoyed, you know? I love coleslaw. Um, I'm going to agree with you on promoting brisket. Brisket's uh, uh, A tier, S tier. I will extend hot dogs because I absolutely love hot dogs. And then I'm going to be controversial. And I will trade pulled pork. <gasps> mm. 
Listen, I love pulled pork. Listen, listen. Pulled pork is fine. It's okay. I've never... I, I guess my thing is that I don't like really saucy barbecue. Like, I'm much more of a dry rub Texas-style person as opposed to uh, uh, Texas brisket or, or that, that sort of thing as opposed to a really saucy barbecue meat. Mm-hmm. And at least when I think of pulled pork, I think of really saucy. Yeah, that, that's more or less why I like it. <laughs> it, is, it is somewhat messy. It's not even the messiness. It's like a it's like, wet food, you know? I want to enjoy the meat, not the sauce. When you pull the pork. Lucas, you and I have very different, um, <laughs> I guess, palates <laughs> is a good way to say it. <laughs> That's probably fair. Yes, yes. I'm trading burgers. I know that because I just don't really like burgers that much. Grilled burgers, I agree. Grilled per- burgers are like at best mid. Flat top yeah. burgers are awesome, but in a barbecue context, I agree. And promote hot dogs because you just can't go wrong with a good old hot dog. Agreed. <sighs> hmm. Extending. I guess a steak, just a good old steak, a nice. What cut of steak? You gotta be more. You gotta give us more than that, Steve. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about cuts of steak. The ones that are affordable. That's that's <laughs> my go-to. That's my go-to steak. <laughs> this steak tastes like steak. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it is indeed. I would have. I probably would have extended burgers. I uh, for some reason thought we were talking about like, like barbecue rest at like restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're starting to get it super specific into barbecue, I was like, okay, all right, well. Yeah, I, I would extend burgers, promote hot dogs, uh, maybe trade sauerkraut. <laughs> and of course, all this barbecuing is taking place on a propane grill. Do you sell propane and propane accessories? I do not. These steaks are medium rare. What if someone wants them? Well done. We ask them firmly but politely to leave. Politely but firmly believe. King of the Hills, a very underratedly, very underrated good show. I think they're making a remake of it. I think I vaguely, I, I think I read that somewhere. I don't know how I feel about that, but. All right, well, moving on now to uh, our draft updates. And Carlos Colazo from Baseball America released uh, their fifth revision of the 2022 mock draft. So we're going to discuss that now. But before we do, Lucas, you weren't here last week when we went over Baseball America's uh, really um, deep two-round mock draft exercise. So I wanted to get your thoughts on um, your thoughts on that with the Mets mm-hmm. picking prep shortstop Cole Young at 11. Gonzaga ace Gabriel Hughes at 14, and then Tennessee Vols reliever Ben Joyce with the second round pick. We didn't uh, like it. I hate I hate that honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's start with Young. Young from the guys who brought you Gavin Chichini first round draft pick. <laughs> right here's Gavin Chichini first round draft pick. It's uh, Gavin Cicchini to Electric Boogaloo to you, buddy. Like it's the same, the same argument I've made on this podcast at least like 50 times at this point. If you're drafting a high school player, you're drafting for upside. Do not draft a high school player based on floor. That's insane. There is no floor. It's a high school player. Or <laughs> even if there is a floor, get the guy who's closer to major league ready who has the same floor. It, it, it's ridiculous. I don't – and I, I, I'm not trying to disparage Cole Young. He's – there's some – I think he's more interesting than Gavin Cicchini. Cicchini was egregious. Young has a little bit more upside than that, I think. Um, Would you say it's fair that um, we, we dislike this for no scouting or, or real, you know, specifics to the player? It, it's just a, a problem with the profile? Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. fair. I mean, I watch. I tried to watch a little bit of these videos. I'm not a professional scout. 
and I was certainly even less of a scout at the time Giacchini was drafted. Um, <laughs> How I, old I, are you then, Mike? Five? 2012, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. So I would have been 17. Oh, okay. That's not that bad. I wasn't riding at a Mason Avenue yet. Um, Gabriel Hughes is fine. That seems like a real reach to me. I don't like that. Like, I don't recall the details of that last mock draft, but I assume a name like Chase DeLauder was still on the board. Maybe Daniel Suzak. Like, Steve, would you happen to have it handy? Uh, I do not. I have their 5.0. I don't have the full. Wait, hold on. Let me mock draft V550. What if I just change the URL? Like the hacker man. Ooh. Going full hacker man here. Nope. Let's four, not four. confess to crimes on our, our, our podcast. Okay. So, so uh, again, that, good thing no one listens. <laughs> our moms will be very disappointed, though. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, point is, I hate. I, I, I really dislike both of those picks. Joyce in the second. I it's difficult to, to say in a va- like in a vacuum I like that gamble I don't know what his bonus demands are going to be exactly um I would expect he's getting slot or a little below because he's a college reliever I know he's posting ludicrous velocities but he's still a college reliever um yeah, that but, never works never right, works right it, it very rarely works and I don't if he was let me put it this way if he was an under slot signing and that money went to a prep guy at 11 or a later prep guy would like it even if he was a slot I wouldn't hate it um it's an, it's fun I dislike it less than the first two picks let's say let's put it that way yep agreed and for uh I got it open here so the Mets would be leaving Dylan Lesko on the table, which, you know, you can make the case, you know, given his injury and everything like that. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm um, particularly excited to trust the Mets with that quite yet. I would still rather do that than Cole Young. Brock Porter, uh, yeah, probably. Brock Porter yep. is still on the board. Yep, do it. <laughs> Chase DeLauder is still on the board. Yep, do it. <laughs> Brandon Barriera is still on the board. Yeah, probably do it. <laughs> I'm Noah Schultz. Noah Schultz, sign me up. <laughs> given that given that Schultz hasn't appeared in like any of the recent round one box, I'm assuming his bonus demand is uh, insanely high and he's going to school. But well, if you guys uh, if you if you sign a guy like uh, Ben Joyce Underslot, you can save some money there. But mm-hmm. with a guy like Cole Young, you're probably not going to need it. Or Gabriel Hughes, no offense, you know, probably not going to need it. Like, if they do something like, if they do that kind of draft, they really, really have to make it up later on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's possible that works. I, I just think that's getting too cute. Yeah. That's how I've always thought about, um, you know, like the big cuts early on. Yeah, I mean, just sometimes teams can not psych themselves out. That's not the right phrase, but like you said, it's just too cute. It's like, just do the obvious thing and it's the best situation. All right. So um, with this fifth mock draft now, uh, Baseball America has the Mets picking prep outfielder Jet Williams with the 11th overall pick. And then the aforementioned Brock Porter with the 14th overall pick. We talked about Williams a couple of weeks ago because Colasso had heard that the Mets were interested in him and Justin Crawford. But now he's saying that the Mets really like Williams. Good news, but also bad news here. The good news is that Williams is a solid pick, not really a stretch to go 11th overall. The bad news, though, he mentions that the Mets like Williams a lot. And if there are some other players who are expected to get drafted earlier that drop and are still available, when the Mets make that first pick, it's unlikely that the Mets change their minds. And he mentions Jace Jung specifically as a player who might drop. So, yeah, um, I would definitely prefer Jung. I agree. Yep. So, that, that part I, I'm on board with. I will say, I think, I, I think my opinion of Williams, uh, I even see my Wi-Fi signal fluctuating. That's brutal. Sorry, listeners, for my robot voice. The Wi-Fi <laughs> is bad. 
Um, like, I think my opinion of Williams has changed a bit. Uh, the athleticism is real. The speed is real. The defensive upside in center field, I think, is real. And he hit has hit really well against high. Now it's high school. It's high school, right? You'd expect any real prospect to hit well. I'm fairly confident in saying that if he was three inches taller, he'd be going very confidently in the top 10. Right. And there's not a huge difference between 11 and top 10. Right. But people are going to quibble over the fact that he's five, eight, but this is baseball, not basketball or football. If you look in the, and I'm using half season F four just as a, a, a purposes of illustration here. Here's some short players that are real freaking good. Jose Ramirez, Tommy Edmond, uh, Andres Jimenez. Uh, I had more, but I don't have my list with me anymore. Can I just uh, say I'm very proud of Andres Jimenez? Oh, yeah. Jose <laughs> yeah. Altuve at 32. Luis Arise at 35. Um, right, short. I, I'm at the point where if we're not talking about a slow-footed corner type who needs some size to even play first base adequately if we're not ta- and, and have the power, if we're not talking about that defensively limited profile, I could not care less about height for a hitting prospect, pretty much. I do not care. And the dude has all the markers of a high-end prep hitting prospect. I think I think I, I, I would actually like this pick a lot. Listen, the smaller he is, the tighter his drag zone is. You got to look yeah. at it like that. But, yeah, I mean, if the Mets draft it, I wouldn't have any problems with it. There are guys that I prefer, but it's not a bad pick uh, mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, with the second round pick now, Baseball America still has the Mets picking Brock Porter. Uh, Colazzo mentioned that the Mets have consistently been linked to Porter for a while now. So it's going to look like he's going to be their second first round pick. Uh, definitely don't mind Brock Porter. Love it. Yep. And if they do go with Porter, then Lucas, that's the second guy that you have uh, identified correctly. You had Beatty in 2019, and then you will have Porter this year. From way downtown, I was so close to having house last year, but, you know, then things happened. Sadness. Things we don't speak of anymore. Uh Uh (laughs) Let's, yeah, let's not talk about the draft anymore. Never, never again. For what it's worth, they have, I think, they have the Mets, uh, not the Mets, they have um, Rocker going with a 13th overall pick in that draft, which is, I don't want to say insane, but a little a little shocking, a very bold move, I think. That that strikes me as very, a team to do that has to be very aggressive. Yeah. And, and the problem with us commenting on this, of course, is that the question with Rocker isn't the stuff, it's the, the medicals. And we neither have access to the medicals nor have the medical background for the most part mm. to like convincingly say what is good and what is bad. So it, it's really hard to like make for, for us sitting here in the, on the public side to make uh, uh, well-informed uh, comments on this front. If he's going to go that high, it's almost certainly because he's looked um... – you know he's shown very well. I mean he's and shown he's, he's, he's shown good. really well. Um, my counterpoint. So to yeah, that, if if he's gonna go that high, then mm-hmm. it's because he's showing particularly well, and therefore the probably ne- by now well documented medical issues um, are less of a concern because of, of recent track record of performance. Mm-hmm. Recent yeah. recent. So again, you know, I mean that's that's getting. I guess we're kind of getting into a tangent, but it's a good tangent, I guess. I don't know. Actually, is it good? I don't know if it's good or not. But I mean, that the was Mets the whole will thing. not be drafting Kumar Rocker. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not relevant to our um, our stated purview, but I would argue relevant to the the you know, yeah. general milieu that we cater to. But I mean, that was the whole thing last year. Was that his performance, just like his performance in the Frontier League, has been pretty solid. His performance last season in, in Vanderbilt, again, still pretty solid. It's like if you're looking at his numbers or, or anything on the field to see some kind of signs of injury, there was nothing there, which is what made the whole... I think um, the difference so would be 
So the, the real issues with Rocker that were the red flags that we talked about before the draft were that right. he Some couldn't velocity. hold his velocity. Mm-hmm. His velocity would dip as, as the games went on, and he would fluctuate wildly start to start. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's why I think the people dragging the Mets for how he's looked through five starts in the Frontier League are kind of missing the point, right? Like, yeah, no, like the correct way to drag the Mets for this scenario, not to go. <laughs> There's a million different ways. Is because like none of the, this was all on ESPN, you know, mm-hmm. you you could see the velocity dips if you were watching the College World Series. It, mm-hmm. it was evident that, you know, he was pitching. I don't want to say compromised, but that, you know, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to go ahead and draft him and then. You know, knowing that this had happened in a very public way, there's no possible way that they could not know this. Um, basically, them taking that risk and then, you know, failing to follow through on it is is the real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so my my point is, if Rocker's going to go that high, it's because in his uh, like showcase starts in indie ball, he's maintaining the velocity much better. The stuff is looking uh, better than it, it you know did the last time we had seen him uh jeff Padanastro wrote recently that um he's been working on a cutter that's um looking like a potential plus pitch so <laughs> just what he needs another plus yeah, no pitch. exactly like a <laughs> like a plus slider <laughs> um so yeah there, there's a there's a I would say it's more likely than one would have thought that he goes higher in the first round, uh, given this is such an atypical case. But we we can get back to what we were talking about. Yeah. Well, hey, it's still it's still interesting stuff here. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Well, back to the Mets then. Um, we'll go anyway, over. Anyway, back to the Mets. Yeah, back to the Mets. A little less interesting. The minor league affiliates. Uh, we're recording midweek, so by the time this podcast goes live on Monday, things might be very different. But listen, we got to cover all the basics here. So not going to go into too much detail again, because there's still a lot of games worth uh, left in the week. But Syracuse Mets are playing the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs this week. And as of recording time, they took three or four. So that puts them at 31 and 44, which is second to last in the International League East. Uh, ahead of only those poor, lowly Charlotte Knights. Binghamton Rumble Ponies, on the other hand, they lost 3-4. Uh, they're playing the Hartford Yard Goats. And that puts them at 1-3 and three in the second half. And 29-44 and 44 overall in the Eastern League Northeast. It's so weird that the Eastern League is doing the halves now. I think they only did it. They st- I don't remember if they started it in 2019 or they said that they were going to in 2019 with the intent to actually do so in 2020. And then obviously that didn't happen, but I just don't like it. Mm. Uh, Brooklyn Cyclones, they are playing the Hudson Valley Renegades and they have split the series so far two and two. So that puts them at five and two in the second half and 35 and 38 overall. They have one game lead over Aberdeen and the Greensboro Grasshoppers. I don't know how long that's going to last, so let's enjoy Brooklyn being in first place as long as we can, because Brooklyn is going to Brooklyn, yep. unfortunately. 
St. Lucie Mets. They had that horrible, horrible, horrible losing streak going. Um, they finally snapped it. And they are 3-1 and one against the Jupiter Hammerheads. So they are 3-4 and four in the second half and 43-29 and 29 overall on the season. And finally, the FCL Mets. And they are 12-7. and seven. So those are the teams for the week. Not care less about the FCL Mets record. Well, that's why they literally only get a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the month of June is over. And with that in mind, we are going to grade how all of our Toshcrack top prospects did. Um, before we start, I'm gonna, just going to change things a little bit um, as compared to when we did this in April or May. Since the Mets traded JT Ginn and Adam Aller, instead of just glossing over them, I'm going to bump up two of the players, the two players that came in at 26 and 27. And those guys would be Mike Vassell and Kevin Kendall. Now, a temporary thing for, I'm not really sure how long, Kendall, he had surgery on his arm early in this year. And he hasn't played. He's on the 60-day injured list. Maybe he comes back, maybe not. So, in the meantime, we're going to skip over him, too. And we'll talk about one of the guys that were tied for 28 instead, Stanley Consuegra. So, first up is Francisco Alvarez. And in June, Alvarez hit 286, 389, 681 in 25 games for Binghamton. With 10 home runs, no steals, and 15 to 24, uh, excuse me, 15 walks to 24 strikeouts. So on the year, he is hitting 277, 368, 588, with 18 homers, no steals, and 35 walks to 70 strikeouts in Binghamton, uh, which is a place that he is not going to remain too much longer. So he should arguably already be. Up at, uh, I don't think there's any Syracuse. argument that he should have been up two weeks ago. Yeah. <clears throat> when when is Binghamton coming to Somerset? Like two weeks, I think. Trying to hold out for that. Yeah, hold out for when Brooklyn comes to Somerset. Oh no, that's in August. Never mind. It's like an entire month from now. I think Alvarez. I think in like two weeks. Mm. I think Alvarez is now. Probably the second best prospect in baseball. At least. Behind, I, I have, uh, this is an argument that Jared Seidler has been leading, and I agree with a lot of the points he's made on Twitter. Uh, Gunnar Henderson is probably the best prospect in baseball at this point, and we don't need to get into the reasons why on that front. Um, I think Alvarez is the second best prospect in baseball. So suffice to say, stock up. Yeah, stock up from like five to two. It's <laughs> feels like he's hitting a homer every time he swings the bat. It's crazy. I mean, he kind of was like either last week or two weeks ago. I forget which week it was, but he had like four home runs in six games. So is that good? I think that's good. Yeah, it's good when you're a hitter and not a pitcher. Although I Can guess I- if you're a pitcher and giving up four home runs in six games isn't that bad. Since you guys have started doing this, where would you rank Alvarez in terms of uh, best prospects you've seen come through the Mets system? Position player prospects. Best. In that you've physically seen or just like that has been like since we're like ranking and stuff like that, you mean? Just since you started, you know, really following this stuff. However you want to define it. Mm-hmm. To me, he's far and away the best one. Um. I really liked Michael Conforto, but Michael Conforto was a corner bat without, like, star upside. I really like Brandon Nimmo. He's turned in—I thought he was a center fielder, but again, like, not the kind of star. I didn't see him being this good offensively, like, by the advanced metrics. I can quibble about just how good Brandon Nimmo is. Mm. Um, I think really good, but I don't think he was as good. And then the other entry, I think, is uh, uh, certainly not Dom Smith or Gavin Cicchini. Uh, I mean, the other in one terms is, of, like, prospect, it, it's like him or Ahmed, right? Ahmed Rosario, right. And 
And yeah, you were never. I was never particularly this is, enamored. Yeah, this is not me victory lapping or anything. I was never big on Ahmed. I hate that profile generally. Um, so to me, it's it's far and away. Alvarez turned into a, a useful big leaguer, if not you know the type of guy you expect with the top, you know, prospect yeah, in baseball. Yeah. I think for me, it's between Alvarez, Cesar Pueyo. And Henry Mejia. Well, position player. Well, well, okay, yeah, duh. So then, yeah, Pueyo, because when he was when he was good, he was good, Pueyo. But then he stopped being good, and that was a problem. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's either him or Ahmed, and I think um, I'm more confident in Alvarez than I was in Ahmed. I mean, at at this point, Francisco Alvarez has done a hell of a lot more than yeah. He's basically did. never really struggled. Yeah. Uh, despite struggled being for like two weeks in Binghamton this year, and then said, "Oh wait, <laughs> pretty much." Yeah, but like he's never had like a lost season of any kind. Uh, he's always been the youngest player at his level and adjusted to being one of the best players at his level mm-hmm. uh, within a matter of weeks. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is really not much good. else to say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, number two now, Brett Beatty, and in 24 games, all with Binghamton, Beatty hit 326, 429, 517 with five homers, one steal, and 14 walks to 25 strikeouts. And on the year now, he is hitting 280, 379, 462 in 61 games with nine homers, one stolen base, and 32 walks to 76 strikeouts. So he's 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 found his power stroke finally, and definite stock up for me because of that. I I'd say holding. Um, I'll let Ken speak before I go on my mini rant about Brett Beatty here. Uh, I would say stock up since he's finally hitting for power on the season. Uh, that's kind of been the, the issue he's been having is striking out way too much for a guy who isn't hitting for, he's basically not hitting for enough. He hasn't hit for enough power to justify striking out almost 30% of the time. So uh, it's good that some of the power is starting to come. So I have, what is going to seem like a very contra- maybe seem as a, con- a controversial take, and certainly an unexpected take coming from me, who famously uh, never liked the Jonas Cespedes trade in the first place, and it obviously worked out. Like is gen- is more of a prospect hugger than is perhaps correct, or and certainly more than anyone else on on this podcast. I think the Mets should up if if the opportunity presents itself, trade Brett Beatty. Um, Frankly, I think his va- the Mets to me are not have not demonstrated an ability to fix the problems Beatty has. That is that he hits the ball on the ground too much and hits the ball to the opposite field too much. Keith would like strangle me if he if he heard those words. I'm sure. <laughs> so a lot of like Beatty's been good. But a lot of his prospect value, if you see him as a top 20 guy or something, a lot of that has yet to be actualized. It's a lot of his projection. And the longer the Mets fail to bring that out, the more skepticism that that exists is the more the more skepticism around him there's going to be. Because I don't have confidence in the Mets development pipeline to fix this and because I'm a little worried that maybe he just will not fix it. This maybe peak value to trade him um now again this is all going to be inherent on the right deal i would not trade him for a reliever i would not trade him for wilson Contreras, who i am afraid is going to be like the a huge deadline overpay um but if someone like really special that could help the mets uh became available this year i'd be much more willing to trade Beatty now than i was three months ago so so lucas i i don't disagree with you necessarily um Basically, the way I was I was thinking about it today, what I would do at the deadline, and mm-hmm. um, basically, I think if 
I, I was putting the, the prospects into tiers, and it's like everybody below Beatty is like, do what you have to do to add oh, talent. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then Beatty is like, okay, but only if you're getting somebody with control beyond this season that is like a high-end talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then beyond him, Alvarez is like literally Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah. But so but I, guess, I guess like uh, for me before the last couple of weeks, Beatty was with Alvarez for me where I would not trade him. And like full disclosure, like I loved Beatty coming into the season. He's a yeah, big. Yeah, I'm not particularly concerned about him at all. Um, mm. it's, it feels very weird to me to, to that I've been – have I been like the most pessimistic on Beatty all season and – after being you you literally picked him before the draft <laughs> i know i know and he's also like the uh, one of the two pillars three pillars of my rebuild in in mpl with with all the crazy fantasy folks like it's him o'neill cruz and jack lighter and i i feel like look Beatty could make you look real bad but more often than not prospects don't work and i i, I i'm i'm worried a little bit and this might just be me getting a little antsy about it but I'm trying to think of someone I would trade him for. The point is, I'd be more open to it than I than I was previously. Somewhere, Beatty is like, "Father, why have you forsaken me?" Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's an avid listener of the pod. How much control does Sean Murphy have left? Oh, I would do that. I think. Yeah, Sean Murphy. I've always is, liked Sean Murphy. Yeah, me too. Sean Murphy is still pre-arb. And is in a, and has three years of control left. Is a catcher. I think, yeah, I would um, think about doing that. Um, I'm trying to think of who else would even be available. Like I don't I don't want to belabor this point. That that that's that's all I wanted to say about Brett Beatty, who I still like a lot, but but has. I, I would basically I think where I differ is I, I would need like a building block for the future in mm-hmm. exchange for for Beatty. Mm-hmm. Um. I think like Sean Murphy's a good example. I would do like him and like a couple of guys for Sean Murphy, but I don't know if the A's do that at this point. He's not expensive yet. Um, and but, uh, what's his name has been bad. Uh, the guy, that, uh, the catching prospect from the Braves that they got for Olsen and I'm failing. Lang- Sean Langliers. Yeah, Langliers. Yeah. Hasn't been I've never great. Sean Langliers. Me neither. I've never been a big Langliers guy. Um. Yeah, I generally uh, don't like college catchers. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, either. Um, I mean, I sure love... Uh, uh, Jesus, I was just looking at his name. Uh, Brian Reynolds, if the Pirates would trade him, though they seem to indicate he's not available. Um, yeah, I'd do that. <laughs> so, like who knows? We'll see. It should be an exciting deadline, but I'll be less heartbroken if they trade Beatty. All right, number three, I know you'll be very heartbroken if he gets traded. Ronnie Mauricio. In 26 games with Binghamton, Ronnie hit 263, 303, 546, eight home runs, four stolen bases, and six walks to 27 strikeouts. And on the year as a whole, he is hitting 252, 287, 478 in 67 games with 11 home runs. Excuse me, 14 home runs, 11 steals, and 12 walks to 74 strikeouts. I'm going to say that his stock is up. I agree. Yeah. Look, he hit this month. Like, yeah. No way, no way around it. I still have major concerns about the swing decisions, but he hit this month. He did. Number four, Mark Vientos. And in 17 games in June, because he was on the disabled list for a little bit at the beginning of the month, he hit 242, 375, 515, with six home runs, no steals, and a 13 to 24 walk to strikeout ratio. So on the whole, he is hitting five. Do you guys want to break news? Sure. Let's break some news. Yeah, go uh, ahead. So Ken. our colleague uh, Dave Capobianco just uh, posted in our Slack channel. Francisco Alvarez was told that uh, he's being promoted to AAA and is likely to report on Monday, according to yeah. Joel Sherman. We knew this like this afternoon. Come on. Dave. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why I said he's not going to be in, Bing- in uh, Binghamton much longer. So we're oh. gonna go. it was reported, I think, at like two o'clock. 
that according to sources who who are in the know that he's not going to be on on Binghamton much longer. So. Okay, well, it's semi-official now. It is, yes. Now it is. I mean, we have a time, we have a timeline now, so that's good. Yep. So I'm going to say that Vientos's stock is holding. I want to believe. I'm skeptical, but I want to believe. I don't know. I don't know. Vantos is like a see it and I'll believe it prospect. <laughs> I'll say holding. Yeah, same. I, d- I would like to see him at the ma- at the big league level like soon. Mm, yeah, and it's Agreed. good that he's it's good that he's walking Vientos a lot more than he usually has. So. Uh, right, number five, Matthew Allen, and he still hasn't pitched, but hopefully he starts doing so relatively soon because his ulnar transposition surgery was in January, and most players return to the field after undergoing that about six months or so after surgery. So if rehab went well, you know, he's been working out, so hopefully we see him throwing relatively soon and maybe throwing competitively in games in the not-so-distant future. All right. um, Number seven, because JT Ginn was traded. Number seven is Khalil Lee. And in 14 games with Syracuse in June, Khalil Lee hit 214, 333, 429, with two homers, no steals, and eight walks to 22 strikeouts. And on the season as a whole, split between Syracuse and St. Lucie, he is hitting 203, 332, 353 with four home runs, nine stolen bases, 28 walks to 73 strikeouts. And in addition to that, he is one for two in two games at the major league level with a homer, no walks, no steals, no strikeouts. Uh, I got to give Lee a, a down, stock down here. I don't think it could go down any further than it was before. This is a hold, and it makes me sad. Hmm. Yeah, hold. All right, number eight. Similarly, uh, similar situation, Nick Plummer. He played in nine games at Syracuse in June and went one for 24 with two walks and 11 strikeouts. So on the year in total, he is hitting 240, 306, 479 in 26 games at Syracuse. Six home runs, three stolen bases, seven walks to 31 strikeouts. And then at the big league level at the Mets, he went four for 29 in 14 games with two home runs, no steals, one walk, and 12 strikeouts. Got to give Plummer, got to give Plummer a, a stock down here as well. Me too, which also makes me sad. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next is number nine, Alexander Ramirez. And in 22 games in June, all of St. Lucie, <clears throat> he is hitting 217, 356, 349 with two home runs, 12 stolen bases, and 16 walks to 21 strikeouts. And on the season as a whole, 65 games, he's hitting 288, 358, 451, six home runs, 17 stolen bases, and 25 walks to 63 strikeouts. I'm going to give him a hold because even though the batting average is not very good, he's walking almost one-to-one walks a strike. I mean, 16 walks, 21 strikeouts, it's pretty close. Yeah, that's a hold for me. Yep. And he also had a 267 bat pip, which... A little bit low. A little low. All right, number 10, Jalen Palmer. <sighs> Don't even read this. That's it's just sad. I it's, know it's just sad. It Back is sad. Down. I gotta, I gotta. Twenty-seven games, all of Brooklyn. He hit one ninety-five, three twenty, three oh five, three home runs, six steals, and fourteen walks to thirty-nine strikeouts. And on the season as a whole, he's hitting one eighty-six, three thirteen, three fourteen in sixty-three games, seven home runs. 
14 stolen bases and 30 walks to 93 strikeouts. I will not have him on my top 25 next year, probably. Yeah, I mean, this is a it's a pretty deep hole that he's dug himself in, too, and uh, unlikely to dig himself out here. All right, number 11, Hayden Sanger. And Sanger appeared in 17 games with Binghamton and Syracuse in the month of June, and he hit 224, 262, 293, no homers, two stolen bases, and two walks to 20 strikeouts. So on the season as a whole, he's hitting 233, 308, 350 in 49 games with two home runs, three stolen bases, and 12 walks to 57 strikeouts. Down. Yep. Also down. Yep. A lot of downs. It's not not great. All right, number twelve, Calvin Ziegler. And in June, <clears throat> in June he pitched just three games and he threw a total of six point one innings. In those six point one innings, he gave up four earned runs. He walked three and he struck out nine. He was on the disabled list at the end of May and came back at the beginning of June. So clearly the Mets are being cautious with him. Um, so on the season as a whole, he has a 357 ERA in 35.1 innings with 15 hits allowed, 21 walks, and 57 strikeouts, all St. Lucie. It's a down just because – actually, I'm going to give him the hold. Excuse me. Yeah, I think it's a hold. If you were rational about how much you pushed him up based on his strong early performance, this is in line with that, I think. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, he's adjusting. This is fine. This is this is still a good campaign for him so far. Yeah, the numbers on the season, I mean, the walks are a little high, but other than that, everything is very, very, very good. Surprisingly good, actually. Ken, what's your input here? Up, down, holding. Uh, down. Mm. Just honestly spacing out a little bit. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, um, Eric Orsi next at number 13. And in June, he pitched in eight games, and he posted a 2.25 ERA in 12 innings. He allowed eight hits. He walked just one, and he struck out 16. So on the season, he has a 488 ERA in 31.1 innings, all of them with Syracuse. He's allowed 25 hits. He's walked eight, and he struck out 47. I heard a hell yeah, so that's definitely a stock up. (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, he's good. I, I think this was expected. He's bounced back. Get him in the majors, please. I'm tired of chasing Shreve. Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, he's in Syracuse. He's coming off of a good month. He is a reliever. There's, you know, why not? Should be in the churn. Yeah. All right. Um next My up dog is, has come to lend her opinion. Uh she does not know who Eric Orsi is and uh therefore cannot comment. Hmm. Well, it sounds like you need to do some education with your dog then, my friend. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn on the Syracuse uh, Mets for her. Actually, that's animal abuse. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, probably. Number 14, Jake Mangum. And unfortunately, he played in only four games in June. And of course, at the beginning of the month. And he hurt his back. And it's looking now that the injury might be a season ender. So that sucks. Uh, for what it's worth, though, in those four games that he did actually play in, he went 5 for 17 with two doubles. So if his season is over, he uh, appeared in 42 games in total, 31 with Binghamton and then 10 to Syracuse, and he hit 298, 355, 417. Which, I mean, the, the stats are good, and based on the stats, it should be an up. But for a guy like Mangum, who, A derives a bunch of his value from being close to the majors or close to ready. B also derives most of his value from his athleticism, his speed, his bat control. This sort of back injury kind of kills his, it makes me very concerned, I think. So I, I think the injury is, is more impactful for him. Back injuries are also kind of tricky. So it, it's a down for me, unfortunately. Mm. 
I'll give him a medical push. Yep. Hopefully he comes back. Unlikely. Hopefully he comes back next season. All right. Um, number 16 now, because number 15, Adam Mahler, is gone. And that is Dominic Hamill. And Hamill made five starts in June. And he posted a 284 ERA in 25.1 innings with 16 hits allowed, 10 walks, and 30 strikeouts. And on the season, he is currently sporting a 392 ERA in 57.1 innings, all from the St. Lucie, with 45 hits, 28 walks, and 65 strikeouts. Definitely an up, just because this is really the first couple, this is the first, you know, streak that Hamill has had where he's actually been good. Yeah, he was a disaster, and he was now not a disaster, so that's an up. Yep. All right, um, kind of the opposite now is number 17, Jose Budo. And in the month of June, he had he made five starts, and he posted a 488 ERA in 24 innings, with 25 hits allowed, 10 walks, and 22 strikeouts. On the season, he's pitched 60 innings, all Binghamton, and he has a 435 ERA with 59 hits allowed, 24 walks, and 69 strikeouts. So down. I think I was the optimist on Budo coming into the season. I am now close to out on him. It's a down for me. I've never been like a huge fan, so mm-hmm. down. Yeah, I've never been much of a fan. I was pleasantly surprised, and I thought, okay, it would be nice if I'm wrong because he did get a, uh, off to a, a, a nice little start to the season. But I mean, when you throw a fastball and a changeup, and that's basically it. Uh, not great. And I don't remember. Whenever it was, I guess, a few weeks ago when he was pitcher of the month, I actually looked at his numbers through the order and, you know, it got considerably worse. He's never gone through an order three times. And his numbers through the order the second time, especially to the heart of the order, was, was it was not pretty. So kind of all, I guess, expected this, and we're hoping for the best, but, yeah, it just isn't isn't happening. Right, next up is number 18, Josh Walker, and he started the season injured. He's still on the DL. He hasn't played. Maybe he comes back this season. Maybe he doesn't. Disappointing. He would have been fun. Yeah, I mean, he was pitching as, as recently as in spring training, and he was one of the last rounds of cuts, so... If he was healthy and at least having some marginal success, it's pretty likely that he would have gotten called up maybe. One of those Zipucky starts, you know, could have been Josh Walker. Although, actually, no, Zipucky only had one start this year. Um, but, yeah, that could have been Walker. I mean, maybe instead of seeing Ever Williams as much, we would see Walker. You know, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if he comes back this year. I hate not knowing what a guy's injury is. Very frustrating. Number 19 now is Thomas Zipucky, and in five games, he posted a 409 ERA over the course of 22 innings with 17 hits allowed, 12 walks, and 29 strikeouts all in Syracuse. So his season down there as a whole, he's posted a 348 ERA in 44 innings. He's allowed 70, excuse me, 37 hits, <laughs> not 70. Uh, he's walked 21, and he struck out 59. And then in addition to that, he was really, really bad in his inning plus of work with the Mets when he got called up. So I'm just going to give him a hold because. Yeah, it's he's, just, cooked. he's cooked. It's a hold. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right to say that he was good. It doesn't feel right to say that he was bad. It just. He just kind of exists. All right, now number 20, Brian Matwire. And Matwire's been injured since the beginning of May with another undisclosed injury, so nothing new to report with him. Number 21, Junior Santos. And in the month of June, he posted a 371 ERA in 26.2 innings 
allowing 28 hits, walking six, and striking out 29, all of Brooklyn. And on the season as a whole, he has a 458 ERA in 59 innings with 63 hits allowed, 26 walks, and 55 strikeouts, all of Brooklyn. Don't don't make me tap the Junior Santos sign again. Listen, this is a stock up for Mr. Santos. Oh God, please, I'm not I'm not doing the Junior Santos rant again. I do not because care. About up from all time lows is still an up. It's very true. Oh, God, I just don't care. Don't care about Junior Santos. I mean, we're at the halfway point of the season, more or less. And he's pitched about the same amount of innings that he pitched last year, and his walk rate is a little bit lower, and his strikeout rate is a little bit higher. So there is some progress with, you know, the peripherals. Eh, whatever. Marginal not a completely, up or yeah, Not a complete lost cause. Just saying. All right, well, this should bring a gleam to your eye, then, if you're mm-hmm. not, uh, if you're not, uh, a Santos fan here. Number 22, Travis Blankenhorn. In 25 games, all of them with Syracuse, Travis Blankenhorn hit 402, 486, 674, with five home runs, six stolen bases, and 12 walks to 18 strikeouts. And on a year as a whole, 62 games, all of Syracuse, he's hitting 272, 337, 461, with nine homers. Eight steals and 18 walks to 12 uh, to 60 strikeouts. I mean, when you hit when you hit over 400 for a month, that's it's pretty good, I think. Get them, get them in the majors. I'm tired of Dom Smith. I don't need to do the Dom Smith rant either. I, I let's roll. Let's come on. Like we we know what Dom Smith is. I think you roll the dice on the next thing. Like this is how you inject variants. This is. Like what good teams would do, you you churn when you have an unsatisfying roster spot, you churn it. I'd give Blankenhorn a look. Stock yeah, up. I mean, the Mets have enough of a lead in the division. It, it's gotten a lot smaller these last couple of weeks, but they still have a little bit of a lead. And it's not like the the stretch at the end of the season where you just have to dedicate every single resource that you have to winning they do have a little time to play around and also you know, their you, dhs currently aren't hitting like yeah he has a 195 weighted runs created plus over the last month uh dom smith is bad let's give it a roll mm-hmm. this is the time that you should be trying out your blanket horns and your fiancoses and whatever mm-hmm. else because you don't want to be in the situation you know you don't want to be it's september late september uh, you know, getting flashbacks of late September 2007. You're starting Brandon Knight and and Willie Colazzo and a Phil Umber who is not equipped to handle this kind of pressure. You know, mm-hmm. this is the time when you should be playing those guys and seeing, okay, what did they got? I want to believe. Mm-hmm. He's also Travis Blankenhorn is 25. Like. It's not like he's 28. Uh, like there's still reason to think he could be improving. I, I'd give it a shot. I'd really give it a shot immediately. Yeah, I mean it can't be worse than what they're getting out of some of those roster spots right now. You know. So. Mm-hmm. All right, number 23, Carlos Cortez, and in 26 games in June with Binghamton. He hit 253, 343, 414 with four homers, no stolen bases, and 11 walks to 23 strikeouts. And on a season as a whole, he is hitting 219, 296, 344 in 68 games, a nice even 34 Binghamton and then 34 Syracuse. And he has a total of uh, six home runs. No stolen bases and 22 walks to 59 strikeouts. I guess it's a it's a stock up just because he was doing so bad. I mean, he was an absolute disaster in AAA. He's posting his last year's stat line in AA. I super don't care, but objectively, it's an up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's he's in a similar position like Sabucky. It's just like good, bad, whatever. I'm just pretty indifferent. Yeah. I guess good performance beats bad performance, but <laughs> it's like if a tree just said. <laughs> it's like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it. Doesn't make a sound. If Carlos Cortez does good, does anyone care? Eh. No. No. <laughs> All right. Um, number twenty-four. This is a. This will be a fun one. Levi David. In four games in relief, he has a 24 ERA. (laughs) In three innings, he's allowed one hit, he's walked nine, and he struck out two. Jesus Christ. So on the year as a whole, all these innings are in St. Lucie, but he he got demoted to FCL to just work on literally everything, rebuild himself. But in 14 games in St. Lucie, he has a... 10.03 10.03 ERA in 11.2 innings with two hits allowed, 24 walks, and 15 strikeouts. And because this is relevant information as well, he also hit four batters and threw 14 wild pitches. Couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Yeah. I mean, this is. I, I, I have more of those just from my time in shooter games about people who can't aim for shit. Oh, so me, basically. <laughs> also me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a stock down. I wish it wasn't because the curveball's fun, but yeesh. I just think it's amazing that he's only allowed two hits the entire year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's the... Uh, but I guess when literally nothing is in the strike zone, you can't batters can't even try to hit it. So right, like it has, and also like just if you're thinking optimal batter strategies, your best bet to, is to go up there and just not swing. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had so much hope for Levi David. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we we acknowledged when he was drafted that there's risk because his numbers weren't the best in college either, but it was. We were expecting a little better than this. Certainly, certainly. All right, uh, 25, Robert Dominguez, and he had surgery on his arm before the season, so he's still on the injured list. He hasn't played. Medical push. Um, so the first addition, the first new addition here is Mike Vassell. And in five games or in Brooklyn, he has a... 481 ERA and 24.1 innings with 19 hits allowed, 10 walks, and 31 strikeouts. And on the season as a whole, he has a 341 ERA in 63.1 innings split between St. Lucie and Brooklyn with 46 hits allowed, 23 walks, and 76 strikeouts. I'm going to give him a, a stock down because... Basically, as soon as he got promoted to Brooklyn, he was not bad, but... Yeah, the Brooklyn performance has been underwhelming. Uh, I still think there's something there, but there's going to be more to figure out. Yeah, um, all of the college pitchers that the Mets drafted last year are underperforming, to, to put it nicely. And I think it's more than just a coincidence. Mm hmm and it's not like, and you know, these guys were picked, you know, third round for Hamill, like, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever for for Vessel and and Carson Seymour and, and whoever else. But it just it just seems a bit odd that these guys who should be doing better are all kind of struggling all at the same time, all basically the same level, same coaching. You know, it's it's just something seems. What's the what's the word here? A miss? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, something does seem a miss, but it definitely seems like the Mets are doing something here that is having a negative impact on everybody's performance. And our last player now 
is Stanley Consuegra. And he is hitting in June. He hit 265, 360, 566 in 23 games. All St. Lucie with five home runs, five stolen bases, and 13 walks to 20 strikeouts. And on the season as a whole, he's hitting 249, 325, 429 in 64 games with eight home runs, eight stolen bases, and 26 walks to 75 strikeouts. He gets a... Uh, That's an up. Stanley yeah, Consuegra is back on the menu, boys. <laughs> yes, he is. And I, you know, I mean, it's a 265 batting average. It's like, okay, whatever, not great, not not poor. 360 OBP, great. 566 mm-hmm. slugging, great. You know, 13 walks, 20 strikeouts, great. And just the this legitimate question here with those yeah. numbers: Why is he still there? Why is Alex Ramirez still there? Why is Keyshawn Askew still in St. Lucie? He strikes out like every like two of every three batters he faces. Like, what are we doing here? Well, I mean, the draft is in a couple of weeks, so I'm sure we're going to get massive shakeups. But hopefully, because doing the St. Lucie recaps is absolutely brutal. <laughs> or excuse me, doing the Brooklyn recaps is absolutely brutal. They need we need some actual talent on that team. It's coming, hopefully. But Consuegra has the 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 best exit velocity of anybody on uh, St. Lucie. Some mm-hmm. of the numbers that he's hitting, he's multiple. He has something like over a hundred. Uh, excuse me, he has something like over forty hits measured over a hundred miles per hour, and a whole bunch that are like hundred and ten. Like really, really good. And he is the kind of guy, I'm not going to say he has, you know, five tools, but, you know, he has some speed, he has some pop, he can play decent defense, like, he's an all-around contributor. So, I mean, if he's actually blossoming, like, diamond in the rough. Yeah, it'd be be a real nice development. Yeah. I mean, he's someone that seems like he's been around forever, and then the pandemic and everything, and obviously did not help and he had a lot of injuries prior and to the pandemic and after last season so he's like healthy and and, and able to show what he's made of and not bad so as a whole i guess i didn't write down the numbers of uh ups and downs and everything but it seems like it's kind of a mixed bag i would say maybe it was 50 percent up 50 percent down Yep. Yeah. The, I mean, the early season returns for the season were great. They're slowing down a little bit, which is not entirely surprising. Agreed. Agreed. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.